Okay, the title of today's message is Salvation and Stuff. Okay, and in a few moments, we are going to show one of the greatest movie clips in the history of mankind. From Nacho Libre. You can look forward to that. Um, but I probably should set it up. We are in the middle of uh, an Acts sermon series. We're walking through the book of Acts all the way in 2019, and we're to Acts 22, and our goal is to finish by the end of the year, and actually, after this sermon, the next one or so, it actually goes pretty quick. So we'll be done by the end of the year, but we're seeing uh, the Apostle Paul's transformation, how he went from Saul to Paul, and this is the third week mini-series of transformation, and the whole butterfly caterpillar thing is a, a well-used, well-known um, uh, uh, picture of uh, transformation. Transformation is not just kind of a slight change in one thing; it's completely a trans. Uh, well, I can't use transformation to de- define it, right? It's a it's a complete change of form, metamorph. Okay, complete change. That's what we see the caterpillar to the butterfly. Okay, and we have talked so far about our uh, Saul's before Christ experience, his humbling experience on the road to Damascus, his Jesus experience, how he met Jesus. Jesus was not who he thought he was. Uh, And then his wrestling experience, had to really wrestle with his preconceived notions and ideas about who Jesus was and what it means to, to love God and serve God. And uh, he had to come to grips that he was wrong with a lot of his previous understandings. And we can't transform until we allow ourselves to be humbled by God, amen, to really wrestle with those things. So today we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul's full gospel experience. Full gospel experience. You know, uh, um, the gospel over the centuries has been uh, watered down, altered, changed what it is, what it isn't, what's included, what's not, whatever. And it's gotten somewhat kind of confusing over the last 2,000 years when it comes to some things like repentance and what does it mean to make Jesus Lord and what does it mean to actually have sin in our lives, what does it mean, what does it not mean, etc., etc. So today is going to be a little bit more of a teaching style message. Okay, we're going to try to try to dive into uh, a thorough explanation, uh, as much as we can do in 45 minutes, of what is the gospel. And some of us, this will be a review for us, but you know, we can never grow old at learning the fundamentals. And the act, the, the reality is that the gospel message, every element that applies to our spiritual lives. Uh, all can be traced back to its beginnings in receiving and responding to the gospel. Amen? So wherever we're at, I I hope this encourages you. But before that, we must first view the uh, aforementioned uh, clip, greatest clip of all time. Sorry, I'll read that in a minute. I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. How come you have not been baptized? Because I never got around to it, okay? 
I don't know why you always have to be judging me. Because I only believe in science. But tonight, we are going up against Satan's caveman. And I just thought it would be a good idea if you... Felicidades. So, I want you to get a few things from this message. One should be, don't let Nacho Libre baptize you, okay? Uh, uh, and I'm sorry, um, I know there was tight clothing and a lot of skin in that uh, clip, so I should have warned you. Okay, anyways, uh, let's read here in Acts chapter 22. Uh, I'm concerned about your salvation and stuff, okay? This is what Jesus in a, in a roundabout way was saying to Saul, okay? Let's read Acts 22. In verse 6, thanks for helping me out, Sadie. But it happened that as I was on my way, approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told, all, told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. A certain Ananias a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing near said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time I looked up at him. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for, me, for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Paul's transforming experience. We see his humbling experience with being blinded and, and uh, broken, falling, being, having to be led by the hand. We see three days of blindness where he wrestled with God, wrestled with his previous understandings, the, his way of life in Judaism, his teaching from Gamaliel, he wrestled. Uh, he, he allowed his ideas of Jesus to be changed by this new information. And in this wrestling, we see him now, uh, this man Ananias come to him. And Ananias, you can imagine one of the very men he came to kill or put in prison now comes to him to give him this amazing fullness of, the, of good news message. Does that make sense? And uh, uh, we see an amazing time here. Um, I want to talk about, first of all, the gospel, the full gospel message. Then we're going to look at the full gospel response. The response to the message. And then we're going to look at historical alterations to this message and its response and how they've affected 21st century 
Christianity and then close with some, some questions. Amen? Okay, full gospel message. What is this? What is the, you know, gospel means, anybody know what gospel means? Good news, right? And in order to have some good news, what do we got to be real with? We got to be real with the fact of why we need good news. And we got to be honest with the bad news, okay? The bad news is this. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, okay? All of us have sinned. All of us have struggled and we've fallen short. Today, one thing that we all have in common is that we have all sinned. Amen? So this does not put us in the company of super spiritual people who are awesome because they got the church. This puts us in the company of sinners. The best of us is a mess. Amen? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And there's, when there's sin, there's two things that sin brings into our life. There's the penalty of sin, where it says the wages of sin is death. Okay? And very much like the woman caught in adultery who was caught in the act, drug right before uh, the, the congregation, and the congregation says, according to the law, she deserves death. Okay? And Jesus was there and responded in an amazing way. But every single one of us, if somehow during your sin this past week, you were instantly caught and brought right here before the congregation in the act. At this point, is that good news or bad news? That's bad news, right? Okay, I was like, well, I'm glad I didn't sin this week because uh, now I'm free. Okay, you just did. You just got caught in the act of being prideful and lying to yourself. Okay? Um, so that's bad news. And, but there's good news coming. Jesus said, he who is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone. So Jesus was able to forgive her. Go now and leave. Who condemns you? None of them. Neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. That's good news, okay? But the penalty of sin is death. And I want to talk, so I want to share with you some of my sin from this past week. Would you enjoy hearing that? So I asked, um, so I was caught in sin. So, you know, this past week we were in Chicago. We had a conference and I had a number of responsibilities uh, in this time. And I was very, so, and I had some interesting conversations that were actually super, super challenging to handle. One of the conversations was right before I was going to speak. So I had that conversation, and it was very emotionally charged and intense. And it was just, you've ever had those really rough conversations? So then right before that, I was supposed to go speak. Well, guess what happened when I went to speak? Guess what happened to the PowerPoint? What, what lives in electronics during the most inopportune times, right? Demons, I'm convinced. Matter of fact, I'm literally shocked that that video actually worked. Uh, and so far, so good on the PowerPoint. Uh, but uh, uh, the PowerPoint didn't work. And I'm usually not a big PowerPoint person, but this was like everything depended on the PowerPoint. So it was like horrible. It was like your worst nightmare of public speaking. And I don't like it very much to begin with anyway. Okay? And so, 
So anyways, that happened, and then another thing happened, and then uh, I'm, it's at the end of the night, and I'm exhausted, and I'm discouraged, and I'm irritable, and I'm grumpy, and I'm feeling like a failure, and I'm just like, and I walk up into my room, and I should have had a sign on me. Don't talk to me. Don't say anything. Please don't tell me one more thing that I've done wrong. Right? You ever feel that way? You sh- I just should have had a sign. And so I walked in, and I asked my- Christy if I could share this story, and she said I could. And so she said, I need to talk to you. And I was like, I should, you know what, in retrospect, you should have just responded, All right. what? Um, when we had that conversation with someone, um, you had one of your long pauses, and so I thought it was the time that I could come in, and then you looked at me, said, don't interrupt me, and that was really hurtful, and then when we came back, uh, you, never re- you never said, okay, now it's a good time, and so I feel really upset about that, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, all the things that I'm dealing with, and you're mad that I didn't include you in. And I said something that I, re- I, said that something that I very much regret. I said, someday you got to learn to be a big girl and insert yourself into the conversation. So I'm being real here, okay? Now, that was sin, and that was wrong, okay? And so... You know how the, so it's like roll over and, you know, and one side of the bed and the other side of the bed and cold shoulder. You know what I'm saying? So guess what I did? The next morning I got up and I spent time with Jesus. And I was so convicted. It's just so, oh, you're like the worst. And, and uh, um, I said, uh, I prayed, I asked for forgiveness, and I, here's what I did wrong. Here's specifically what was wrong. Here's what repentance is going to be, because we're going to talk about repentance later. And I need to say I'm sorry. And Jordan, was, Jordan heard me say that. She was in the room. I'm going to talk, apologize to Christy. I've got a plan of repentance for, the, for that. I'm going to apologize to Jordan. And so I went back to the room, and she was up, and I said, I, I want to talk to you. I'm so sorry for what I said. I was wrong to say that. In, I was wrong in the conversation to disrespect your, what we needed to hear from you. I was wrong to tell you you need to be a big girl. It was so wrong and hurtful, and I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? Please, will you please forgive me? I have a plan of repentance if you want to hear it. And she said, I forgive you. And I said, thank you. It's like, this is good news. This is the gospel. Uh, and uh, um, I said, here's what I want to do going forward when we have talks, because this is, this, this is not the first time we've had this argument, unfortunately. You guys get what I'm saying? And so then I was like, I'm a new man. I was transformed in that moment. And I'm so grateful for my gracious wife. Have you ever said stuff like that? Have you ever done things like that? Or am I all alone here this morning? Some of you are looking at me like, I, I think I'm out. I'm not going to listen to the rest of this message. Hey, we've all sinned. And I'll claim chief of sinners. That's fine. I'm good with that. But uh, we all need Jesus. The penalty of sin is death. Okay? Um, the power of sin is enslavement. Romans chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. Let's look over there. Romans 6, 
verse 17 says, But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. The power of sin is enslavement. You don't just sin one time and then you're good to go the rest of your life. Oh, I got that out of my system. No, it gets in your system and it becomes bigger and stronger in enslaving. Does that make sense? We've all, we've all experienced that. So did the Apostle Paul. Read Romans uh, 7 and 8. End of 7, bad news. 8 verse 1, good news. Amen? Okay. Um, so that's the bad news. But thank goodness the, the Bible doesn't end there. We have good news. Jesus was sent to save the world from our sins. Okay? He saves us from the penalty of sin, and He gives us the gift of forgiveness. Okay? Uh, he gives us forgiveness, and He saves us from the power of sin through the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Okay? So He just doesn't... So, well, I became a Christian, but I'm continuing just to live on enslaved to sin. That's really not how it works. The Spirit gives us the power to be freed from sin. And does that mean we never sin again? No, but that means we don't have to be enslaved to its power. We can be set free through repentance and openness and walking with the Spirit. And if you want to learn how that works, come next week to Spirit Fest because one of the greatest teachers on spiritual formation that I know of is going to be here teaching us about how the Spirit frees us and encourages us and helps us to be free from this power of sin, okay? So um, how does this happen? It's through the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection and the rulership of Jesus, okay? So this is the gospel message. We've sinned, but God still loves us, sent Jesus into the world to save us from the sin, and now we got to ask, well, how do we respond to that? So just hearing that message, does that save us? No, we have to respond to the message according to the scriptures, right? Okay, so let's look at our full gospel response, full gospel response. Okay, first of all, we need to hear the message. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, How can they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher, a messenger? How will they preach unless they are sent? So really to, to hear the message, to, to respond to the message, we must first hear the message. And I would say that dust doesn't, much like Ananias, Paul needed Ananias and Jesus. Jesus gave him the message, but Ananias helped him understand how to put it all together. We'll talk about that later. So when we hear the message, we need to, Respond in faith, to believe the message, okay? In Romans 10 and verse 9, the Bible says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, belief, what is belief? We need to explain what is biblical belief because belief has just become this I agree idea. It's called assent. That's part of it. Do you believe in God? I believe in God. Okay, that's good. That's a scent. But that doesn't, that, that's not the fullness of biblical belief. That's just the beginning. A scent and reliance and obedience. What are you saying? I thought you were talking about belief. See, obedience and belief are two sides of the same coin. Okay? 
obedience all through the scriptures is an overflow of belief. So if I tell Kenny, said, Kenny, um, there's uh, $10,000. Okay, who, there was a big lottery, right, recently? Uh, Powerball or whatever. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you played it. Uh, it's, not, it's okay. It's not bad. Well, whatever. I don't, it's a different topic, okay? Uh, but let's say that someone won it, and to, today the ticket was being revealed, and someone said, hey, Joel, someone in the Chippewa Valley Church won, and I'll give you the ticket, and you can present it on Sunday at church. And now if I put an email, hey, winning lottery ticket, come Sunday church to see if you won. I bet you you probably make it. So here's the ticket, winning lottery ticket. You know, uh, Kathy Moose, you won the ticket. So congratulations. You can now be done with your job. Uh, and uh, um, here's the whatever billions of dollars, okay? Now, uh, Kathy, you need to take this ticket and you need to take it and cash it in. Okay. Now, if Kathy grabs the ticket and says, woohoo, I'm a winner, but never cashes the ticket in, what would we think of her? Like something, something maybe a little off? And she says, you know, you don't believe that this is real. Believe this is real. Okay, I believe it. I believe it. Totally. It's totally real. Okay. But you got to go down and cash it. No, I don't need to do that. I just believe that it's real. <laughs> I agree that this is ticket is worth millions of dollars. But I don't need to go cash it. Because I believe. Do you see the disconnect? Okay, if we've fallen into a pit and uh, uh, we can't get out and someone throws a rope to us and they say, grab the rope, we'll pull you up. And say, okay, I believe you. Okay, grab the rope. No, I'm saved by grace through faith. That's true. I'm saving you, but you still need to grab the rope. I don't want to earn my salvation. You're so confused. <laughs> Would you just do what I said? And I wonder if God says, can you not make this so complicated? Just do what I said. I don't know why he took that accent. <laughs> I don't even know what that was. Probably end up on the banquet video. Anyways, believe means assent, rely, and obey. And then repent. So we can't turn to God if we don't turn from the world. Okay, and we remember we all stood up and we faced the clock. And then we turned around to face the front. And what did we all do? We turned. Okay, one of us, we, wanna, we want our eternal salvation secure, but we don't want to turn. It doesn't work that way. Okay? That's part of the gospel response. Acts 2.38, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. We must confess Jesus is Lord. Jesus is our master. We vow that he is uh, who he said he is. And we're saying, I haven't been following you, but I'm going to follow you from this point on the best of my ability. And then to be baptized, to be immersed. Baptism is baptizo. It means immersion, full immersion. Doesn't mean sprinkling. Doesn't mean pouring. Those are different words. It never was that um, anywhere. Um, it means to be united 
Romans 6 says when we're baptized, we join, we become one with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. So baptism is not a religious thing that you just, just a ceremony on baptism Sunday and you just sign a card and go through it like you're kind of going through a give your offering or something like that. That's not what it is. It's a, it is a, it's a wedding ceremony. It's a marriage ceremony where the two become one. We become one miraculously with the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Romans 6, 1 through 4, Colossians 2, verse 12. Does that make sense? And so we are, we are baptized into Christ, okay? Um, this is our full gospel response. Now I want to look, I showed this chart earlier, uh, but I want to just briefly look at it as we're walking through the book of Acts. These are all the conversions in the book of Acts. Now, why the book of Acts? Why not the book of, you know, 2 Timothy? So the book of Acts is significant because it's a historical account of the early church from about 33 A.D. or so till about uh, 30 years or so. This is a significant historical events. okay? There's no other book in the New Testament like it, okay? All the other books are letters from maybe Paul or Peter or whoever to groups of Christians, okay? Um, this, is, this is the first history of the New Testament. So when it comes to how to become a Christian in the 21st century, let's go back to how they became Christians in the first century. Does that make sense? And so every time we see uh, the hearing, believing, either taught or implied, okay? Repentance is either taught, and then we see it in a lot of places, um, confessing Jesus as Lord, and then to be e baptized, either taught, um, commanded, or we see them actually get baptized here like we see the Apostle Paul, okay? So these are the conversions in the book of Acts responding. Now, so, well, wait a second. This didn't mention repentance. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that and mean, well, I don't need to repent. Because it's not mentioned there. Okay, if you're looking for a license to sin, I can give you a lot better ones than that. Okay, if you're looking for a way out, your heart is not humbled and you haven't wrestled and you haven't hitting rock bottom yet. Okay. We don't want to look for a way out. We want to look for a way in. All right? That's our heart. I don't want to do bare minimum. Did God send bare minimum? No, he sent his one and only son. Okay? For us, because he loved us. We love God. So we give everything. We give our all, not just enough to get by. Okay? All right. Um, let's look at now at some uh, altar. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. So here's the thing. Satan, what he does is he says, you know what? This message is so good and so rich that I've got to shift it just a little bit and take some of the blessing and richness out of it. And this is already happening in the first century. Okay, so in Galatians 1, verse 6, and then 2 Timothy 4, Paul gives us some warnings about the gospel message and whether how we should handle it, okay, and being very careful to preserve it. 
Galatians 1 verse 6 says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed or condemned or an anathema. In other words, to go to hell. Now, I want to point out two words. Okay, One is the word different in verse 6. And the one is the word contrary in verse 9. These, the word contrary, we think it when the contrary is like if I say to Isaiah, Isaiah, let's go to Jimmy John's for lunch. And Grayson says to Isaiah, Isaiah, no, let's go to Red Lobster. Okay? That would be contrary, right? That would be like opposite. That would be, um, but more it's like, hey, let's go to Jimmy John's. And Gracie says, um, Let's go to Jimmy Jack's, which isn't even a restaurant. I just made it up. But the point is that I'm more, it's, a, it's just, it's super close, but it's just a little different. That's what the words here implied. It's to draw alongside, but it's just a little bit different. Does that make sense? So what Satan does, Satan doesn't say, no, don't believe in Jesus. Believe in Santa Claus, because we'd see through that, right? He says, yeah, believe in Jesus, but let's just alter this a little bit. Let's take the uncomfortable parts, and let's just shift slightly. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we're warned of that in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And again, this is all in the first few years of the new covenant. Uh, it says, 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, says, I solemnly charge you. So Paul is talking to Timothy, who is a spiritual leader, who is to guard the gospel. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God. See, where this is all becomes clear when we get out of our context of people and into the presence of God, just like Saul did. Does that make sense? When he got into the presence of Jesus, he hid his face and he humbled himself, and he heard the voice of God. So in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is judged to judge the living and the dead, you're not going to judge yourself. The church isn't going to judge you. I'm not going to judge you. But you will stand before a judge. And that judge will not be fooled, and he'll not take your excuses. Oh, I didn't know. No, you did know. Uh, you were in that sermon. <laughs> and many others. Okay. And he won't take any excuse, Romans 1. Well, if you would have just came and spoke to me, I would have believed. I did come and speak to you, but you weren't listening. Okay? And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be, prepared, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled or itched. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. 
and will turn their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things and do hardship to the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So the warning is that this message is uncomfortable. It's challenging. It's, uh, does that make sense? It, that's why the words reprove, rebuke, exhort. These things are like, uh, I remember when Brad first came to church, he said, I want to come to a place where I get challenged with the truth. Amen? Do we want a place where we get challenged or do we want a place where we itch our ears? Where we get our ears itched? Okay? If we only want our ears itched, then we will slowly drift away. Now, we all need encouraging messages a lot. Amen? And that's why I loved Kenny said, God is so proud. We need to feel that and to know that. But we also need times where we get, you know, kicked in the booty to get us moving with the truth, okay? So he's like, hey, you be careful, whether it's popular or unpopular, you need to hold to the truth. So any aspect, so gospel alterations, any aspect of the full gospel response that is elevated, eliminated, marginalized, or moved to a later experience is altering the gospel. What do I mean by that? So what we like to do is pick and choose. Okay, so let me go back to... Here we go. So any aspect of these that is lifted. So you know what? I really like the believe idea. Let's lift that and let's just hone in on that. Okay? Who's heard John 3.16? Seen the signs at the stadiums? Not as much anymore. When I was growing up, every football game was like right there by the goalposts. Okay? Because this was lifted and elevated, okay? And the rest of the things were marginalized. How about uh, uh, repentance? Let's just talk about repentance. How about let's just make Jesus Lord? How about baptism? I know it's all about baptism, okay? It's not all about baptism. Baptism outside of this context really is hard to understand. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Just reduced to a religious ritual thing. So we have to be careful not to marginalize or elevate any of these things, but all keep it uh, in context. Amen? Okay. Um, okay. So, historical alterations resulting in other Gospels. gospels. About 300 years, uh, the baptism started, so initially Christianity was illegal. So about 300 A.D., Christianity became the legal religion, and baptism, uh, there's there death and all that, so we've got to be baptized to be saved. Let's baptize younger and younger and younger. Pretty, pretty soon, we just baptize babies. So what that did is it elevated baptism, and it took out belief and repentance and a personal vow of making Jesus Lord. Does that make sense? Hearing the message, okay? And so that was a false gospel, okay? So after hundreds of years later, it's like, you know what, let's just, let's just now, this, all these babies being baptized, that's not really producing what we see in the scriptures. Let's just take baptism out. Let's just have uh, repent and baptism later, okay? So in the, another 400 years, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, you know what, let's just take repentance out. Let's take baptism out. Lordship has already been out for a long time. Let's just believe. Yeah. 
And so let's have masses of stadiums filled with people and call it the gospel and just call people to believe. Hold them over the fires of hell. And if you just say this prayer and come on down, you will be saved. And so the organizations planted people in the audience to stand up and start walking down. Extremely manipulative. It's like, well, if they're doing it, I'll do it. And so then more and people came, more and people came. And said a prayer to accept Jesus into your heart. That is an other gospel response. You never see it in the book of Acts. You never see it taught in the Bible. And if you try to take a few verses to say that, you're completely abusing the text. See, we got to stick to the truth. we got to keep a sober estimate. We must not be ashamed of the whole gospel message. Okay, so those are some of those. And I'm going to end with this. Some common questions to, so, so are you saying, are you telling me that I need to repent in order to become a Christian? Yes. That's part of it. Are you telling me i got to be baptized to become a Christian? Yes. Are you telling me that i got to believe in Jesus to be saved? Aren't all religions equally saved? No, they're not, and yes, you do. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him and only Him. Okay? Um, so, okay, well... I got one for you there, Mr. Preacher. The thief on the cross. He was never baptized, and Jesus himself said, you'll be with me today in paradise. Answer me that. Okay, I'll answer you that. Okay, what about the thief on the cross? Okay, the thief on the cross was forgiven uh, in, under the old covenant. When did the new covenant start? When Jesus was resurrected. Okay, so he was could not have been baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which is New Covenant baptism. That's New Covenant baptism, Romans 6, Colossians 2. How could the thief on the cross have been baptized in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Jesus hadn't died, buried, and resurrected yet. Died, buried, and resurrected yet. Sometimes it just comes out, you know, before I, my mouth can catch up. Okay, so Luke 5, 24 says, Jesus, while on earth, had the power to forgive sins. God says, Jesse, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Okay? Amen. All right? But does that make sense? So you can't use the thief on the cross to counteract the whole principles of the rest of the New, New Testament. And by the way, you can't, can't, you can't try pulling that with your wife in an argument. Well, one time I did this. One time I did the laundry. You haven't done the laundry for 20 years, and you're going to claim one time as, a, as to, to d dismiss this? That doesn't work. But it's not true anyway. Okay. How about John 3.16? Okay. So that, that's a thief on the cross. The, it's a covenant contextual issue. You're in the wrong covenant. Okay. John 3.16 is a covenant and textual contextual issue. Okay. John 3.16 says, whoever believes in God, you'll be saved. Right? That's what it says, and that's my verse, and I'm sticking to it like a country song. Okay? Wait a second. Um, John 3, 1 through 5 said, you must be born again of water and spirit. So did Jesus change his theology in 13 verses? No. Who was he talking to? He's talking to Nicodemus, who was a Jew. What were the Jews' issue? The Jews' issue is they needed to believe in Jesus, the one who was to come as the Messiah. Amen? Okay, and of course, it's still in the old text. So you can't take that and dismiss everything else 
the Bible teaches. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17, that's a, kind of a tougher one. Paul said, uh, I didn't um, come to baptize, okay, but to preach the gospel. Okay, so see, therefore, he's, Paul said, he's saying it's the New Testament. He said, I didn't come to baptize, so baptism's not important. Okay, contextually, that's not the issue. The issue in, in Corinth was that the people, who, whoever the leaders were that baptized them, they were forming sects or like denominations around that leader. And so Paul's saying, I'm so thankful I didn't baptize very many of you. Because now you would be, you, because I baptized you, you would be following me. Okay? He doesn't dismiss baptism. He, he says, I'm glad that uh, I didn't baptize many of you and stop being followers of people. It actually is more shows baptism in its purpose, purpose versus disproves it. Okay, and the last thing, this is a big one. Well, I'm saved by grace. In repentance, lordship, those are all works. But I'm clearly saved by grace. And the, tr- the answer to that is you are saved by grace. And so am I. So when Christy forgave me, did I earn that forgiveness because of my uh, repentance? Did I, did I earn that? So because I repented, Christy had an obligation to, to forgive me? Are you kidding? No, what I earned was you know, bad things. But out of her merciful and compassionate heart, she eagerly forgave me. Amen? Amen? It was a gift that I received. So yes, I am saved by the grace of God. This, that's how I received it. But that doesn't mean that I don't uh, obey the gospel to receive that gift. Remember, grab the rope? Still got to grab the rope. So if I grab the rope and then I get pulled out that I earned for that work of grabbing... If you actually think that, you're, you've lost your mind. Okay, so when people say, oh, your church, it's baptismal regeneration, and da 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 It's like you don't understand baptism, and you don't understand uh, uh, really the difference between um, works of the law and works of God. Colossians 2.12 says, baptism is a work. Whose work is it? It's a work of God. Colossians 2.12 says that God powerfully worked to raise you with Christ from the dead. So it is a work, it's a work of God, but it doesn't eliminate that we're saved by grace. That's what's called a false dilemma. Okay, we're closing up and we're going to pray for communion. Back to our video, salvation and stuff. Um, Nacho already asked the question, but why have you not been baptized? Okay, why have you not been baptized? Okay, and, but we could also ask, why have you not repented? Why have you not made Jesus Lord? Same question Ananias asked Saul. Why do you delay? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away. How do we do this? We've got to accept the Ananias that God has sent to us. To, does that make sense? We got to, God always sends an Ananias who will, who will help us, who will teach us, who will love us, who will help us understand. We've got to accept those people. We've got to examine humbly and honestly our previous and current experiences and understanding. Uh, in light of the scriptures, in light of the scriptures, this is what Paul had to wrestle through. We must tremble before God's word and not man's. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what Uncle Fred says or Aunt Susie. It matters what God says in God alone. Amen. We must tremble before the word of God, Isaiah 66, 2. This is the one I'm esteem, who I'm, I will esteem. He who trembles at my word. 
Why delay? Why are we delaying? A lot of times we delay because, well, I'm not good enough yet. I'm not good enough yet. I'm not there yet. I don't have it all together yet. Wait a second. That's why you started the process in the first place. You can never be good enough. That's a, that's a tact of Satan to get you afraid and paralyzed. Well, what if I struggle later? Of course you'll struggle later. Don't you know me? Haven't you seen my struggles? Right? Don't you know some of your friends around? You'll always struggle. This is why we need the Spirit. This is why we need grace. Why delay? And then let's share the good news. Let's not keep it to ourselves. And lastly, just like Nacho, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 But let's not do it the way he said he did.